From Welcome Villain Films, the studio that brought you the horror hit Malum, as well as Beaten to Death and Hunter Killer, comes their newest nightmare, Mind, Body, Spirit, now available on digital. Directed by Alex Haynes and Matthew Miranda, and produced by Dan Asma, Mind, Body, Spirit follows Anya, an aspiring yoga influencer, as she embarks on a ritual practice left behind by her estranged grandmother. What starts as a spiritual self-help guide quickly evolves into something much more sinister. As Anya becomes increasingly obsessed with the mysterious power of the practice, she unwittingly unleashes an otherworldly entity that begins to take control of her life and her videos. Now, Anya must race to unlock the truth before her descent into madness threatens to consume her mind, body, and spirit. During its festival tour, which stops at Chattanooga Film Festival and the Unnamed Footage Festival, Mind, Body, Spirit garnered praise from critics who call it a found footage version of Hereditary and a knockout found footage horror movie for the live stream era. Experience the first ever yoga-themed found footage horror film and don't miss the film viewers have called extremely frightening and upsetting. Available now on digital anywhere you rent or buy movies online, including Prime Video and Apple Plus. You are now listening to Postmortem with Mick Garris, where the most influential voices in horror cinema will spill their guts, literally, to the renowned horror director, writer, and producer. Now, here's your host, Mick Garris. I'm Mick Garris, and this is Postmortem. When you're shooting a film or a television show, the hours can really be long and the schedule's demanding. It's a collaborative effort, more than anything, unifying the director with producers, writers, actors, and a crew from 50 to 100. It's an army at war with a schedule and a budget, and anything that can make that attack smoother and more enjoyable is more than welcome. Having people you've worked with before and have developed a working shorthand and comfort level really makes the job so much better, so much more rewarding. Probably the most intense relationships on a film set are those with the actors. There's a reason why directors work with favorite and trusted actors over and over again. It's the ability to be on the same creative page together, to work with someone whose personality matches your own, an ability to reach deeply into the emotional architecture of the character together, to understand and be able to discuss the most deeply personal and vulnerable aspects of psychology and performance. We've seen it time and again. John Carpenter and Kurt Russell, from The Thing to Elvis to Big Trouble in Little China. Stuart Gordon and Jeffrey Combs in the Lovecraft films and beyond. Guillermo del Toro and everyone's favorite creature actor Doug Jones. The late lamented Wes Craven and Robert Englund. Sam Raimi and his continuous cinematic torture of Bruce Campbell in the Evil Dead movies and TV series. The list goes on. Lucky McKee and Angela Bettis. Larry Cohen and Michael Moriarty. Joe Dante and Dick Miller, Robert Picardo and Kevin McCarthy. It's not exactly Orson Welles and the Mercury Players, but it's pretty damn close. I've been lucky enough to work with several actors repeatedly, artists who are so easy to communicate with, gifted and versatile, and a total pleasure on the set, making the load seem that much lighter. Matt Frewer, Stephen Weber, Henry Thomas, Melissa George, Charles Durning, all remarkable and unique thespians I would work with anytime, anyplace, anyhow. Primary among them is Annabeth Gish. We've done a couple of Stephen King adaptations together, as well as our new movie, Nightmare Cinema, and you'll get the chance to know her a little better right after this. 
If you missed Bad Robot's Overlord in theaters a few months ago, now's your chance. It's an amazing mix of monsters, zombies, and World War II action, and comes post-mortem approved. Sort of like The Thing meets Unbroken. We've teamed up with our friends at Paramount Pictures to help celebrate the movie's home video release by giving away three copies of the Overlord 4K Ultra HD Combo Packs, which includes 4K, Blu-ray, and digital formats of the movie. All you have to do is to go to our post-mortem Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram pages, look for the Overlord contest post, and answer the following question. What is the name of the upcoming movie I worked on with Annabeth Gish? We'll randomly draw from the correct answers. If you don't know the answer to the question yet, it's in this episode, so listen closely. Good luck, and make sure to check out Overlord now on digital platforms and on Blu-ray and 4K Ultra HD, February 19th. Your parents were both teachers, so I assume reading was your first big... Absolutely. The love of literature, the love of sort of escaping into a, an imaginative wor- world, the structure of story, character. Yes, from, from a very young age, I, I loved books, reading, and story. And so you were a child actress. So uh, did you start in commercials? Is that, was that the first no. thing? Or on stage, probably? I started on stage. Yeah. I have sort of a very strange tangential route to getting to here today. Um, but I, I grew up in Cedar Falls, Iowa, very small Midwestern town. Started doing stage plays. And in fact, this we can allude to later, but one of the very first plays that I did was Wait Until Dark. Really? Which I really? think really kind of um, sort of uh, tone... Like, Opened the door to the O-Trail it, it, it did. The genre was awakened in me in terms of uh-huh. suspense and horror, potentially. And to do suspense on stage is almost unheard of. Yes. It's so amazing. Yes. That story in particular, that play. Such a classic play. Yeah, and yes. the movie is pretty great shakes, too. Audrey Hepburn, yeah. my God, I know. No one's done a remake of that, interestingly That's enough. That's true. That's true. We'll have to collaborate. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. That's next. Um, but no, so I, yes, yeah, so I started out with in theater, and my parents were both professors. My dad was on a literature conference in Minnesota, and there was an open casting call for a film called Desert Bloom. Oh, yeah. In 1980. 86, Well, yes, 83, because I was was 13 when we shot it. Uh, So, and lo and behold, out of one of 800 people, it was, uh, in the end, it was between myself and Winona Horowitz, a.k.a. Winona Ryder. (laughs) (laughs) Horowitz, yeah, we've spilled the beans. Yes, and and I was fortunate enough to be chosen for that role, which... That was with Helen Shaver? uh, No, No. that was Desert Hearts. Desert Hearts. Yes. Right, another movie Around the same time. No, I wasn't in that You were in... No. I'm really fucking this up today. (laughs) (laughs) Get your facts straight, Mick. (laughs) No, um, Desert Bloom... was a was with Ellen Barkin, Joe Beth Williams, right, and John right. Voight. Okay, and yeah. really, what a way to enter into the film business and the no industry kidding. with such high caliber and really artistic bones. The independent world back in 1982 was just at beginning its peak. Mm-hmm. So it was a very explosive time. Well, how did you find the? the change from stage to screen because they're very, very different disciplines and you were so young. Very different. 
And having, I think I'd done probably 15 to 20 plays from the time I was seven years old till 13. Always with my mom and and, in community theater in Cedar Falls and Waterloo. And, you know, I think when you just have an instinct for performance, um, it, it, it somehow translates if your truth, if you always can somehow play the truth and be grounded in emotional realism. Mm-hmm. I was never a musical theater, very broad, and nor am I still, sort of a broad actress. No, not one who played to the proscenium. Correct, correct. I, and, and which I think helps for film and TV because uh, I, you know, when a lot, so much of film and television is in the eyes and in your face and much smaller sort of mechanistic uh, feeling than than the stage, but it was strangely a, uh, an easy transition. Really, so the chopping up a scene into different angles from beginning to end, over and over and over in different directions, did not seem like a, a big not at switch the for not me. at the time because I was so young and naive and ignorant. <laughs> you know, I didn't when I did my first film, I really had no knowledge of the cinematic process. Right. And and now I find it as I'm older and I've done theater and then come back to film and TV, it's very different. And you definitely feel more ownership of a performance on stage because it is your vehicle and your through line. It's you and your body authoring the performance. Yeah. It isn't the case for film and TV. Right. And, and how do you, do you have a preference? I mean, obviously you've ha- you have an amazing career, an incredibly versatile career in film and television, but do you ever crave the stage like you were just talking oh, about? Oh yes. I'm, I'm very, very desperate to do theater uh, currently. And I think, I think precisely because I'm terrified, <laughs> you know, the older you get and the things that sort of scare you, um, I think, and to be brave, right? It's yeah. it takes a lot of courage nowadays. Face your fears. Fa- I'm I'm doing it. Yes, yeah. but to to really step out on stage and be in a big, as you say, proscenium and play to an audience, that is a different kind of vitality and vibrancy that we don't. That's different on when we're on f- film and TV sets and very vulnerable. Yes, more very so vulnerable. than with a camera, you can do another take. That's true. And you can try different things. Yes. When you're on stage, you have to have tried them before. Yes. And worked out what works with everybody. But I do, In on the other hand, that's what I love about film and TV is that there is an intimacy and a delicacy. And yeah. you spoke about it in the introduction so flatteringly, uh, <laughs> that there is a relationship that really has to happen between the actor and the director, the actor and the camera, the sacred space of the set, you know, I really do believe in the alchemy of all of that. And, and there, you know, I, I love that. It's what I love about the industry. Well, and when people click, it's such a great treasured experience that you want to replicate that over mm. and over. You know, working with you repeatedly uh, has been amazing and other actors like that. And I imagine the same is for you with other actors as well as filmmakers and the like. That's one of the great things about television series and when you do long stints with a with a, a cast and crew is that 
you feel safe and it's home and it becomes like a family and you can dig deep and you can be vulnerable and you can make mistakes and yeah. giggle until, you know me, I like to, <laughs> when I giggle, I go. Uh, but, but I really, there is something about having, that's why old time rep companies, you know, would, would just stick with the same people because it feels mm. good. And as you know, there's really no time for bullshit. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> there, and there shouldn't, bullshit shouldn't be indulged. It's true. A short day is 12 hours. <laughs> That's right. And you're trying to cram in five to seven to 10 pages in a day if you're working television. Yeah. Yes. And I do think that's sort of why we have gotten along so well is that I'm there as a performer to actualize your vision as the director, writer, and it's not, uh, I, I'm a collaborator. I believe I should come. I mean, it's one of the things you should always be prepared. And um, Well, there's never been a problem with that. <laughs> <laughs> and, and it's a collaborative process from my perspective as well, because I want what is going to be best for your performance. You know, and there's nothing more exciting than when an actor brings something new to the set that you don't expect, if it fits into the framework exactly. of, of the big picture. And don't you find that that's when you can do your best work? Like something springs up organically when... Absolutely. And it is, it's like alchemy. When And, and I, you know, you and I have both been on sets where it hasn't... <laughs> been the yeah, case and it's hard probably you have more because you've been on a lot more <laughs> sets than me and uh, it's you know different filmmakers have a different atmosphere on the set true and filmmakers don't work together so they don't know mm. what those other atmospheres are oh like. that's interesting whereas you work with everybody all over the that's right we don't mm. <laughs> no well, which is one of the reasons i i'll bring in people to do cameos like john landis or david cronenberg or the like just so we share an experience. That's and, genius. And, and I've been cameos in, in Landis films and Joe Dante and different And people. Thriller, right? And Thriller, well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There's always that. Um, but one of the great things about your work is it's so versatile. You're doing a comedic role once, a romantic role another time, and something suspenseful or psychologically harrowing another time, or you're, as in The Haunting of Hill House, someone who's quite stern and mm. externally mysterious. There's something going on, and we don't know what's driving that that sternness. Mm -hmm. um, but every role you approach with the respect of the character. Mm -hmm. A lot of people look down on horror films. Mm. And we've done three together. Yes. And the respect, I mean, we treat it like Shakespeare. Absolutely. Because, and, in you know, a testament to you is that you are truly one of the most gentle-hearted, kind <laughs> people I've ever known and worked with. And... You know, to, to work with you and then have these masterpieces of, you know, horrific vision. And <laughs> it, it's it's such yeah. a paradox, but it also, yeah. I think, it's what makes your work so good. And the same no, thing with Mike Flanagan. These, you gentle-hearted people who have a sensibility for story and for heart. And that's what elevates your horror into drama emo horror yeah. e oh is that a <laughs> you know it's funny i came <laughs> to coin a phrase I, I came emo horror okay yeah. <laughs> i like it i like it um 
especially because I've always been so I have a proclivity for like slit your wrist dramatic roles. Yes, yeah. <laughs> what is that like? Sturm und Drang. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yes, but I and I came across a term interestingly enough. Uh, it was in reference because I was thinking in preparation for our talk about the kind of horror that I enjoy watching. I really am a horror fan, but I'm not a fan of. Uh, what did they call it? It was uh, porn horror or something. Oh, it was like, yeah. no, no, terror torture porn, porn, torture porn. Exactly. Torture yes, porn, yeah. it was. Yes, it was in relation to Saw. Well, some movies are are all about the grotesquerie and the violence and other movies are, I mean, there's a huge umbrella for what horror is. Yes. And some of it's funny and some of it is intense and gruesome and some of it is suspenseful. And, and I love that about it and mm. all of it's valid. But... Yeah, uh, there are movies. Movies aren't for everybody. Right. No genre or subgenre is for everybody. And you have to respond to what you personally respond to. I agree with that. There's just like beauty is in the high eye of the beholder. I think what we respond to in terms of uh, emotional drama is also a very personal thing. For instance, uh, my husband won't Wade, yeah. Wade, my husband Wade, he's a stunt s- man. a stunt man, very uh, you know, strong Manly. and masculine. <laughs> uh, yes. And uh he refuses to watch Haunting of Hill House. It really? is it is yeah. he it, it is and or anything if I have sort of a a, a taste for something on that you know that's on horror, uh he he'll leave the room. It really? is it is such an interesting And he's a very manly man. <laughs> <laughs> He's also very sensitive and and sweet, and I think. Well, he's your husband, of, of course. course. Yeah. But 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 my point being that what you know, we all have such a, a wide swath of taste and Absolutely. and horror for me, and and I also want to take uh, sort of um, I want to argue your point because I do think that a lot of the people are changing their feelings about horror. Oh, definitely. And as, and you know, whether it's, whether it's with Jamie Lee Curtis starring in the (laughs) Halloween and all of these resurgence of, you know, and, and who knows what it is about it. Maybe it's, well, it often reflects our, our national consciousness. <laughs> yes, for sure. And uh, I think, you know, you can look at it decade by decade. Yes. What was driving the fears of the nation are reflected in the horror films of the times. And right now is a particularly um, fertile ground I'll, for horror. <laughs> I will wholeheartedly agree with that. And I will also say that I think that's why psychological horror is at its, I think, peak and finest right now it's not it's not really about because i think there's so much twisted psychological shit happening (laughs) sorry i'm the one who said it oh well we're uncensored here okay right 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 (laughs) I, i you know i think there is there is that idea that horror whether it's in a novelistic form or cinematic film form it it un it reveals the unconscious of our psychology Right Absolutely. or or the repressed or the oppressed, and I think that's why people are 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 going to it because we don't know what to do with all of this anger or this vitriol or this this frustration, and so sometimes seeing it acted out on screen is a release. So it's a valve, a safety. Absolutely, valve. Yeah. you don't want to blow the boiler, so you have to release. The yes, steam. you know, I'll never forget when we were shooting Desperation. 
we had once the scene where I, I, you ask if I can scream, right? It was the first time I, (laughs) (laughs) you're like, are you a screamer? (laughs) And I had never actually, it's not like we auditioned. I mean, have you ever uh, like auditioned actresses for a horror scream? Not for a scream, but you know, uh, knowing you can always loop somebody in if you have to. But what a pleasant discovery (laughs) for both of us, I think. I know, I know. (laughs) You are a first class screamer. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I think yes, I am. I will I will take that uh that that uh title. But I but it again it speaks to I have always, you know, whether you're uh, whatever you're uh, I've been drawn to the supernatural and mysticism and uh sci-fi and horror because I think whether or not I just have the the Maybe I have an imagination. I'm, my mm-hmm. therapist calls it, a, I'm a catastrophic thinker. <laughs> <laughs> That's a polite way to put something that doesn't really sound that flattering. <laughs> no, I mean, when you have children, it's like, oh my God, what happens if there's this yes. and this and this? It's suddenly... Potential disaster. Yes. And I have a deep well for <laughs> imagining those situations. Yeah. Well, you talk about the supernatural and the like, mysticism. Um is that what draws you into films creatively, or do you have beliefs in that regard? What is your opinion of the supernatural? I would answer yes to both. I uh-huh. I, I am drawn to material that has an element of all uh, those elements, and and I also am a searcher and a seeker of mysticism, yeah. whether it's a spiritual realm or the supernatural realm. Uh, I have an interest in it and and questions. I'm always intrigued. We've both done a lot of ghost stories. Yes. And I know you have thoughts about ghosts. Yes. And especially most currently in Nightmare Cinema as well as in uh, Hill House. Those are ghost stories. And the best kind. Yeah. <laughs> as my well, eyes they're, light up. They're, they're very emotional ghost stories, mm-hmm, too. Mm-hmm. And so have you had experience with ghosts? I have, uh, yes. And, and the very first experience I had was an experience with the, do you say Ouija or Ouija? Well, it's it's the French potato and potato would be we ya, but oh, right, right, Ouija right. is what right. most Ouija, people say. Right, Ouija. Yes, yeah. I was about eight eight years old in Iowa playing with the Ouija board in a neighbor's house, and uh, you know, f- for the very first time, I'd never seen it, heard of it, whatever, and suddenly, you know, something spells out S A F Y. S-A-F-Y, and it keeps going to S-A-F-Y, and, you know, hi from S-A-F-Y, and I have no idea, and we're, like, giggling, and, like, ooh and I go home and tell my mom and dad about it at, you know, eight years old at the dinner table, and, and it, you know, my, sort of my father gets ashen, and he says, you know, your great-grandmother's name was Sophronia, and oh, people really? would call her Safi. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Do you have chills? <laughs> yeah. That's so, good. Right? And so who was on the planchette with you? It was uh, just... You're eight years two, old? Yes, was like my, my neighbor, or? Amy, and uh-huh. my other girlfriend, Jennifer. And we, uh, you know... At the no t- way any of you could have known no, about Seth. I didn't even know. Yeah. I only knew my grandmother's name. I did not know my great-grandmother's name, right. who had passed before I was born. 
So, so there, that's the beginning. Okay, so that opened the door. Yes, yes. And what, what has happened since? I've had a, a few other... Well, I also, by the way, I am a, an avid meditator. I have a mm. meditation practice, which I think... Uh, TM or a different... It, I don't do TM. It's just yeah. it's a form of Tibetan Buddhist meditation. I don't have a mm. mantra. Although I've always wanted to try. Yeah. I, I think you have to pay for one, right? <laughs> <laughs> ask David Lynch. Right, I'm not sure. right. I'll, I'll ask David. <laughs> um, but I do think uh, having that... And again, I've always been, uh, I, I love church. I'm not particularly religious mm. with a, a dogma, right. but I love the ritual of church. Mm. I love candles. I love the sacred and the profane. Yeah, <laughs> that's a good balance. Yes. Also, a lot of amazing art has been done under the influence of religious yes. Uh, inspiration. Yes, which I do think ultimately when you are, you know, contacting the divine or this is getting very esoteric but i really do believe in that and i i i even believe you know sometimes uh you can open up to negative forces that you know you need to be careful about (laughs) (laughs) opening pandora's box that's right Hmm. yes so what other uh spirit experiences have you had i've had a few experiences in hotels hmm uh, like especially when I'm not familiar with what's happened in the hotels. Good thing you weren't in the Stanway at The Shining. Yeah, that was, <laughs> no, uh, no kidding. <laughs> Although I did, my my brother worked in Estes Park at a, oh, a lodge, and so we wow. did visit the Stanley. Spent months there. Well, yeah. I, I mean, did if those walls could speak, right? Did you feel? Um, I felt other. Yes, but you know, I'm a little more skeptical about that yeah. uh, because I've not had a direct experience with that. I'd love to have it and I welcome it, but yes. until I do, yeah. I still remain a bit of a skeptic. Right. But there was definitely, it was hard to sleep there. Mm. The first time we scouted there, um, I stayed in room 217 <gasps> wow. by choice uh-huh. and uh, fell asleep early, but at the stroke of midnight, I just woke up suddenly and fully awake and couldn't get back to sleep for hours. So that was as far as it went. But, you know, it does feel weird yes. in that place. Yes. Uh, but I like that. <laughs> yes. Yes. I love that, too. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, in hotels. I was at a hotel and uh, was working. I was on location and kept waking up at at uh, 2.08 in the morning, 2.08, had no idea why, whatever, like a a week had gone past and I kept waking up at 2.08, not being able to go back to sleep. And I think it was, you know, a weekend, I didn't wake up at 2.08, I woke up at 2.09 with the digital clock flashing and the lights blinking as well, 2.09, (laughs) 2.09, 2.09, and I mean... I ran out of that room in my like nightgown, ran down to the front desk. I'm like, I can't, I cannot sleep in this room. I don't know what is going on. And the gentleman behind the desk said, oh, well, you know, a murder happened in that room 10 years ago. And I was like, what? At 2.09. I'm sure it happened yes. at 2.08. <laughs> oh, it happened yeah, at 2.08. Yeah. That's why the energy was mad. <laughs> mm. Yes. 
Do you remember the first uh, film that drew you into the genre? Something that that got you excited about there being something beyond straight drama? Well, I remember vividly watching Vincent Price. Oh, really? And all and sort of the Edgar Allan Poe that uh, like the Corman and movies, and yeah. wasn't the Pit and the Pendulum yes. strikes me as I remember vividly watching that and being with the oh, scythe. My. Yes. Going yes. Like See, clock. it still yeah. like gives me. It still affects me because oh, it just. So you're into the real stuff. Oh, yeah. You're not a superficial horror person. Mm, you got it. No, I mean I, I'm. I'm both. Both. <laughs> I remember, and I grew up in Iowa, so Children of the Corn was something oh. I couldn't watch. <laughs> I will. I will make a confession. As as diverse as my uh, horror genre watching is, I have never seen Jaws. Really? Yes. You'd like it. <laughs> I I know I everyone that I know and respect says it's a, a masterpiece, but it, for some reason, the water really I I that freaks you out. I I'm pretty confident that I would never re-enter the ocean again if I saw it. I just wow, <laughs> it is a masterpiece. Yes, and it's as powerful now as it ever was. Yes, I'm hoping that. You will allow that door to open one of these days. I don't know. I might have to, you know, have post-traumatic stress therapy afterwards. So probably the pit and the pendulum then is the one that that opened the door for you. Absolutely. Which is an amazing one. Um, And did you, you've done a lot of Stephen King now as well. Yes, my God. what, What a lucky gal I am, right? Yeah. And one of the great things, and we were talking about the... The veracity of of the the characters in a horror story being every bit as deep and rich as in a drama, and you know I think any good horror is good drama before it's good horror. Exactly. Um, and both of these movies that we did together, King movies, were rooted very much in their characters. Uh, probably most emotionally was the smaller part for you was in Bag of Bones. Yes which is incredibly emotional for you as well as for Pierce Brosnan. Yes, and yes. The character of Joe Noonan. Joe yes. Noonan, Mike's wife, yeah. Who is, gets hit by a bus. <laughs> yeah, incredibly <laughs> unexpectedly. <laughs> right. Uh, and in a shot that you don't expect it to happen at all. <laughs> but you read the book before we made the movie, yes, right? And, yes, And what were your observations about that? A lot of people don't realize the the power of King as an author mm. and not just as a horror author and they put him in a ghetto. Well, one of the books that is constantly on my bedside table that I refer to all the uh, time is on writing. The it, best it, book on the process I've ever seen. Truly. For uh, any creative form, uh, not it, just writing. It could as well be for on acting as well. It is or painting. It is it is a seminal book about the creative process and it is just, uh, and really speaks to why he's so prolific, you know, because he just nails his ass to the chair, yeah. and yet he, every one of his novels, which are the 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 library that he has amassed. Yeah, what are they? Fifty books, I think. Uh, like. And the stories, and it's, but all of them are based in heart and pain, right? The things, Absolutely. the things that really make us ache and struggle. That which is most personal is the most powerful entertainment. You know, the stories that stick with us came from someplace real. 
Mm. And they came from the author or the painter or the actor's lives because you can feel the truth of it. Yes, for sure. I think it's it's the irony of, of pain being a balm, a healing agent. Yeah. And, and I think horror can even be so because when we touch those places that have wrecked us, then it, it diffuses it. Yeah, yeah. Well, tell me a little bit about the approach to Joe. I mean, we had our conversations and the like, but who she was to you. I only did it to work with Pierce Brosnan. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck the story. Pierce story is my husband. <laughs> he was great. Too. Yes, he was so good. He and went places I'd never seen him go before. I agree. I yeah. agree. I think it's one of his really good, great performances. And, mag- and he's magnificent. Magnanimous. Anyway. What a generous... Yeah guy and a performer and and that was no small task that was a, a long for you I wasn't there as long as you were but right. but you know up in where were we Halifax Nova Scotia yes yeah and and Pierce of course had lost his wife in real life yes and having to touch those painful places yeah. places I was hesitant to even discuss with him mm-hmm. about going to mm-hmm. and did not need to because he was amazing and went to place. You could not watch those scenes without tearing up, even on the stage. Right, right. Yes, I mean, I remember... Do you remember the scene that we shot out on the dock when I... We we alternated between me being there in just sort of regular Joe Noonan uh, persona and then in the... Yes. Grotesque, gruesome... The dead Joe. The dead Joe. Yeah, yeah. And, And... you know, it was it, hard to shoot. Oh, it was very hard to shoot. But he, it, it, but he was so tender. Yeah, you know, to both incarnations of Joe. Very much so. And it's a very emotional scene. Y- yes, yes. There, there was a delicacy. I, I thought I loved playing Joe because she was almost just sort of this wonderful archetype of a woman. She mm. was a painter. She was very graceful. Their love was deep, um, and she was a, a symbol of something good yeah and we talked about what the paintings would be like with joe too and where those came from because they're very passionate and colorful lots of primary colors in them yes and that characterization was pretty amazing it was great i i i do i look back on those pictures uh even from the gallery shoots or whatever like i just i don't even recognize myself there it was it was a some other color of me or you know that i don't it's almost like it was out of my body a little bit. Well, how great is that? It's great. <clears throat> well, yes. the life of an actor, too, especially one who works as much as you do, is the the kaleidoscope mm. of characters that you become. The people, you have to find you in all of those characters mm-hmm. or else they don't ring true. Right. And what a variety. I mean, are there certain colors that you prefer to play or do you like playing the darker role? Do you like playing the not so nice or do you or a romantic role or well what are the shades that excite you you know as i've uh over a career as you know too you sort of play these typical you kind of sometimes you get stereotyped into for very a long time growing up i was the girl next door very earnest right very pure the mystic pizza girl yes yes exactly and and yes that was a color true to me, but then you grow up and life, you have life experiences and it's not all fine and dandy and (laughs) you suffer and you age and things happen. (laughs) 
so as I've, what's, I, I really am excited by the fact that at 47, I feel like I'm now finding a whole new color palette or the kaleidoscope that you spoke of, which is such a beautiful metaphor. Yes, I, I, I do. I like playing flawed women. I like playing uh, women with secrets and no, nothing that is, you know, wrapped up in a pretty bow because really, who who is that? Right. So I've been fortunate, especially because of cable TV and things like Netflix and whatever, but particularly um, I did a series called Brotherhood and then I did The Bridge on FX and Sons right. of Anarchy. And, and I love playing those kind of grittier... I don't want to use the word sexy because that's such a result. Right, right. But But just... You know, not so superficial. Complicated. As the word would, would yes, yeah. exactly. Something. And Sons of Anarchy is interesting because Ron Perlman. That's and right. Back together from desperation. <laughs> I think there should yeah. really be six degrees of Annabeth Gish instead of six degrees <laughs> yeah. of, of Ron Perlman because I. It's always wherever I go, I'm like, I know you. I know you. <laughs> six degrees of Stephen King. Six degrees. Yes, exactly. <laughs> That's one true. degree of Stephen King. And I had worked, ironically, with Ron Perlman on The Last Supper. Oh, and yeah. Charles Durning. Right. So I got to work with, because of you on Desperation with Charles, who, you know, purple Just, uh, war, purple star war veteran. Oh, yeah. The yeah. most lovely. Yeah. Just a great guy. And on the beach at Bataan, he faked being dead under a pile of bodies in order to survive that invasion. Yes. And just an amazing, happy man. He would walk on the set singing. Yes. And just loving life. Absolutely. And just, what a great experience we had to be able to work with him. I did it a couple of times. He was also in a show, a miniseries I did called The Judge, <clears throat> my only courtroom drama. <laughs> and uh, just every time you walk on this, and again, with you, with Steven Weber, with Matt Frewer, these are every time one of you walks on the stage my life brightens, mm. you know, and, and it makes the job so much more fun. So much better, right? Yeah. Yes. And you and Henry Thomas, both in Haunting of Hill House, were husband and wife in desperation. Yes. And that was so much fun. One of my favorite scenes I've ever shot was the opening 15 minutes of Desperation. Mm, mm-hmm. And we're on the road. It wasn't the most fun to shoot. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, driving scenes seldom are. But, and in uh, that, that police car that was painful because those seats in the back, like it was a real police car yes. and there's like, you know, like no room plastic. for your legs. No, no, no. And Annabeth is rather tall. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> Long legs. Yep. So knees against the wire mesh. Yes. Yeah. But um, it's it was really fun because there's this sense of claustrophobia and you and Henry had such a natural affinity to mm, one another yes. that the way you were able to be playful together before Kali and Trajan yes. pulls you over and takes over. Henry and I were talking about that on the set of Haunting of Hill House. I think he and I both do have a very similar sensibility. We're, we're uh, not histrionic. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> we're not drama king or queens, you no, know. We're, we're subtle. And, and we have we're still around, you know, for being, yeah. he clearly uh, having such a master, masterful, you know, hit at this young yeah, age. Nine, of 10 years ET, old. Exactly. Yeah. But it, it, it does a number on you when you, when you have to sort of 
fight for your endurance and your longevity in Hollywood and still maintain your sanity and try to build a life that's normal and healthy. And so, yeah, so I, and I think he's brilliant in Haunting of Hell House. I'm so happy for his sort of the rediscovery of Henry. And, and, and again, I do think it's, it's easy for men, I think, because as men age, they just become, you know, just <laughs> silver foxes. And, you yeah, know, I mean, yeah. it's, it's a little bit of a different dance for women as we age, although that's changing, I think. It's true. I mean, so much judgment is put on one's appearance yes, when you're female, yes, particularly. Exactly. Oh, look, she's starting to age. Exactly. Yeah. And who? what is that anymore with people, you know... Yes, Botoxing the hell out of their face, uh, which doesn't work for horror because how do you, <laughs> how, how do you, you show yes. shock or exactly. fear? The aesthetic of fear is frozen. My forehead doesn't right, move, but right. pretend I'm scared. Yeah. I'm really, really scared. I'm really, really scared. Uh, but was to, just saying that I, I think Henry will have a new, whole new chapter. And and uh, but yes, we have you to think. Going on to the set of Haunting Hill House was so lovely because. I had a prior relationship with Henry, which right, right. always, as you said, makes it safer and more comfortable. And again, uh, I must have a thing with, with you and Mike, Mick yes. and Mike, because and I've... you'd done Before I Wake with Mike yes, before Haunting yes, of Hill House. Yes, so I've worked with you three times and with Mike two times, and, and um, I'm proud of that. I really... I'm grateful. Yeah, oh, it's great. And Before I Wake is a wonderful film. Tell me what your response was when you read that. And that movie is... I haven't even never seen been, it. It's never been released. No. I think you can see it on, on VOD now. Okay. But, uh, uh, and Netflix. Mm. But I think they acquired it because they've done so much business with him. Right. Since. Oh, okay. That's good to um, know. And it's a wonderful movie, but it was made for theatrical and just got dumped. And yeah. nobody picked it up. And it's really sad. But tell me your experience when you read that, um, what your response was. Again, uh, what I loved so much about that script, when I read it first, it was called Somnia, which I loved. Uh, I loved the title, um, which I think, is it Latin or German? For, it must be yes, Latin yes, because insomnia. Yes. I loved it because it was a, a um, almost a mystical story about grief. And again, back to what we're talking about, and even with desperation, you know, where you have these things, you know, his skin peeling off his face right, and, yeah. you know, those sort of situations that are graphic and violent and special effecty. Mm-hmm. Um, there's still guts and heart and real stakes. Well, grief is at the heart of, I think, the most potent horror yes. there is. Yeah. And... Before I Wake certainly is about that, you know, and, and I think people who've experienced loss, mm. whether loved ones or friends or, or um, you know, through illness or, or whatever, once you feel that, it deepens your work mm-hmm. and it deepens you as a person too, hopefully. Do you think the death of your brother, and was it your father as well? I've lost two brothers and a couple months ago a sister. Ugh. All of them way before their time. Both of my parents, and yeah, it it, it informs I made a movie your about it. yeah. <clears throat> I made writing the bullet, which so, is all about that. And I want to talk about that because whenever I, whenever you, it's almost like you know on an iPhone when a picture of somebody comes up in a circle on their little whatever yeah, their yeah, avatar. Yeah. Whenever I think of you, 
I remember we were shooting Desperation and you arranged for a screening in Tucson of oh, Riding right. the Bullet. I forgot about that. And yeah. I always, it really affected me that movie. I, I remember the scene, there's one scene where the, the car, the boy is standing by the side of the road and, the car, and it's night and just the whole ethos of that film was, and I'm not kissing your ass. I, I really <laughs> like, I, yeah. <laughs> I, I genuinely like there are films that you watch and you never think about again, mm-hmm. but it evoked a lot of emotion for me. And it must be because you embedded all of it's that. That's why I wrote it. You know, it, yeah. it's based on a King story, but that's only about a third of it. Mm. And I said it 30 years earlier than the story, which, it, uh, but yeah, uh, it was, I didn't know it until after I wrote the script that wow. it was about my brother and my mom. And yeah, uh, isn't that amazing? I'm making the movie. I go, Jesus Christ, right. I'm touching some really personal stuff. Here. Yeah. And I think that it's also my least successful film <laughs> <clears throat> in every way, but it's the one that's most personal. But isn't me. that, yeah. that's, but that's the win. Honestly, yeah, like in know. the, in the artistic scheme of why we do what we do. That is the purpose. All you can do is your best work. Right. And and your work is personal, if you're good. I mean, if you're a hack and you're making just something hack and slash movie that doesn't matter, then it's if somebody doesn't like it, it's no skin off your nose. But yes. if you do personal work and you put yourself out there, you're at your most vulnerable. But if it connects, mm. it connects in a very, very visceral sense. I'm finding as I age, too, that I have less desire to just work for a paycheck, even though there is that necessity sometimes. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) But I really, my, I don't want to work on things anymore that don't ignite some personal piece of me in a way that will either change me or change others. Right. Right? Mm -hmm. Uh, So I'd rather, you know, be with my children and uh, and I'm also I'm adapting a novel, for, so we can talk Great. about that later. Yes. But yes, well, I wanted to talk about writing because you are so verbally, you know, astute, astute, <laughs> and sophisticated, mm. and and you have the heart and soul of a writer. Is mm. that something you? have devoted time to or is this new to you? I have devoted so much time to it that I have bins and bins in my garage. Uh, <laughs> not not very Marie Kondo, the joy of tidying up sort of a situation. <laughs> right. But I but it's a very strange I'm I'm working on it. I'm working through it. It's a it's a strange I guess because I started acting at such a young age, I'm I've I've kept my writing private hmm. and uh, not really wanting to solicit opinions or rejection or whatever now I, it's probably just cowardice <laughs> <laughs> it's getting uh but that's changing now i am Good. uh actively i'm i'm adapting a, a screenplay uh, i'm adapting a novel into a screenplay because Great. i would like to direct it fantastic it does have a very very low line of a uh, of horror in it darkness so i will need your guidance <laughs> <laughs> me and mike we'll get together your consultation <laughs> But but yes, I I especially because I'm such a reader and always have been. It's a latent. I may be. Uh, who's the author from Canada? Annie Proulx. I think she uh, she wrote her first novel when she was fifty. Well, there you go. <laughs> so well, you know. I think my first novel came out uh, in my fifties. 
Oh, good. Yeah. Okay. So. Yeah. I might be, a, I, I am a late bloomer in that aspect, <laughs> yes. but I'm not. So you got time. I do. You're I 47. do. <laughs> yeah. You know, the clock is not ticking at all. Not at all. <laughs> uh, but what well, we were talking about before I wake and, and your relationship with Mike and the response to that and how it leads to the haunting of Hill House. Mm. Do you see a direct line besides just working with the same director between what you did in Before I Wake and in Haunting of Hill House? Well, uh, my role in Before I Wake was a supporting role, and I was only there for maybe a week or two uh, in Fairhope, Alabama. Yes, (laughs) but there was an instant uh, sort of, you know, chemistry or kismet or just ease uh, with Mike and Trevor Macy and Jeff Howard, the the his writing partner and the producer, mm-hmm. and I, I I think I think I don't know I think we just recognize each other when we know it right when we meet and we yeah. we recognize our a kindred spirit and just a good working relationship. So I knew he was doing Haunting of Hill House, and you know, I he also like you likes to keep. A, a family circle yeah. and and repeat workers, actors. At first, you know, when, when there was this role that, that he mentioned, you know, he, he contacted us and, you know, it was sort of vague and innocuous. There was, there mm-hmm. was just, and it was a very character type of a role. Mm-hmm. So I was a little afraid of, of sort of aging myself up Right. And right. Uh, you mean for Hill House? For Hill House. Yeah. yeah sorry, for Haunting of Hill House. Yeah. And because she's, you know, in the Robert Wise production, she was older, you know, she yep. was in her yep. 60s or 70s. And so I was, I was at first, my initial vanity ego <laughs> thought was, what? I, I'm not, I'm not ready to do that yet. Yes. The beautiful young actress response. Mm. Yes. But I, trust and love Mike Flanagan. I wanted to be a part and still do of whatever he creates because I think very much like you, uh, who I know you were one of his mentors, you know. Not just, that I knew of. Well, but you know, <laughs> but he I mean, was a great guest yes, on the show. Yes, yeah. and, and wonderful filmmaker. Yeah. Really. I, I really do think he's on to something, <laughs> you know, yeah, and, and I definitely. just love his, again, low-key brilliance. How, yeah. how else to describe it? Like yeah. never like super prepared, shot list in hand, communicating with everyone from start to finish, uh, very transparent and yet a, a collaborator, but a visionary, Yeah, which, you know, when someone has all of that, like you follow their lead, you know, you're, that's, you're a willing supplicant. That's what you're looking for is yes. somebody you can trust. Yes. And you know it immediately when we first met, yes. it was like, this is somebody simpatico. Totally. Right from the beginning. Absolutely. Um, was What was your first experience with film horror? Was it, well, you did The X-Files for a long time. X-Files, yes. Yeah. X-Files was, was definitely, yes. I think that was my sort of entree into... Uh, <laughs> the O-Tray. Uh, yeah, yes, yes. <laughs> entree into, into the O-Tray. <laughs> <laughs> um with a lot of supernatural and you know sci-fi but but aspects of horror and and then last supper was kind of a sort of a satirical horror film Mm -hmm. you know political Mm -hmm. satire horror 
And then desperation, right? I'm, I'm yep. listing all of my horror credits. Yeah, the horror cred. Well, but, let's talk about the the uh, X Files because it was something you did a lot of. Yes, and you came back to. Yes, uh, later on. Tell yes. me the difference between X Files in its original incarnation and when it came back to try and make another go of it. Hmm. Well, I, you know, I mean, it's, it's kind of a testament to Jillian and David that they're, they still have a legacy that is vital. You know, I think the, the, the second revival did better than the first, I think. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 10 did better than, I'm not sure of all And creatively as well. And creatively. Yes. Yes. I mean, I loved my 20, I don't know how many episodes I did of X-Files, two, almost two years uh, or a year and a half uh, with Robert Patrick and Jillian and David because they were in, they were like this fine-tuned machine with yeah. a lot of money. It was back in the day where They'd they been could... been doing it for 10 years. They'd been doing it for 10 years. They could spend as many, as much as they wanted per episode. They could shoot 18 hours a day. <laughs> you know, yeah. it was just this sort of like luxury experience and uh, and that was my first experience really with working with special effect makeup. Mm-hmm. Although nothing, you and Mike have have exposed me to my most the the most terrifying claustrophobic experiences of my life. <laughs> I'm Literally. very proud about that. <laughs> <laughs> you get that. Yeah. Be- between and they really were at, at the the cast making the casts for the special right. effects makeup, which right. is a crazy claustrophobic experience well there are a couple other experiences that we put you through in desperation in particular we'll talk about after that but i'm i'm still curious about x-files yes the two different experiences for you yes uh so going back for the revival my point is that i just loved the 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 family and the system of the original series right and i knew i was an offshoot of the original series right Mm -hmm. because robert and i came in late came in much later yes yes but it was I love it. I loved it. And that exposed you to these more outrageous storylines and and more supernatural. Yes. So the first time as an actress, but still approaching it in that very defined, truthful sense. Absolutely. You had you had to. The truth to. is out there. The truth. Yeah. <laughs> the truth is out there. Da, 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 da. <laughs> For sure. If it, if it wasn't uh, based in reality, then none of it would work. You know. And so the return was. Was there a different feel on the set? Were things different? I, I, you can be politic if you need no, to. No, no, no. I mean, it, it, I didn't really have that much to do in either one. I kind of came, okay. came back in a, in a limited presence, uh, which I I was grateful to be back mm-hmm. um, because they that is Chris and those are all my, you know, I really love them dearly. But uh, but they the I didn't really have a ton to do. Right. So. So you were a legacy player. Yes. Yes. Exactly. <clears throat> yes. Well, let's talk a little bit about Nightmare Cinema, even though it hasn't been released yet. It's the, coming up this, this year. Summer. Fantastic! Yeah, coming, I can't it's wait. It's coming in June. Yes. Um, but that was something. There's a real variety of stories there. There are five very different stories and very different approaches to that umbrella we talked about of horror. Yes. And in this case, again, I mean, they're absolutely the first person I thought of for playing the mom was you. Yes. 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 And uh, it was very emotional. 
Stephen King saw it. Oh. And he thought, he really liked it. He likes the movie. He liked this one. And he said, but why was that mom such a bitch? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So. The, whole, the whole conceit of my character, thanks to you, is that she wants to bring her son to the other side with her. Yeah, we won't give too much away. Oh, but, sorry. <laughs> but no, uh, something happens. Yes. And um, he, his mother is killed in an accident, and he is in ICU. Mm-hmm. And go ahead. Well, I'm, I'm now I don't want to uh, give anything away, but well, I, you can it was, certainly it, talk about. Yes, it, it is. That, it's that a, plot point is that you're from the other side. You want to bring your son with you. You want him to die so that he can be with you because you love him so much. And as a mother of sons, mm-hmm. I can very much relate to that. I think it's the dark side of of mortality. You know that we that is. You know, we know that we can't take anything with us when we go, but... But you think maybe you can in this case. In this case, yeah. Charity does, yes, yes. And she thinks it will be better. It's a narcissistic approach. It is, <laughs> it is, but that's the complexity of human beings. Yes. You know, uh, is it wrong to want to take someone with you because you love them that much and yet know that you're denying him a life on earth, mm-hmm. you know, a mortal life. Right. And it's a moral complexity that's what the story, which is called Dead, is all about. Yes. And it was so much, we did it in just a handful of days. Yeah. But it was so much fun to go so deep so fast. So fast. And there's, this is definitely part of my emo horror (laughs) Yes, yes. that kind of began with writing the bullet in certain ways. But also what I loved, I've only seen a little bit of... of, uh, You've seen Dead. I've seen Dead, exactly, exactly. And what I loved, and I've seen snippets because at at, uh, Burbank Con or whatever, they showed like five minutes of each. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, And I love that the, again, a kaleidoscope, such a varying rainbow of different styles to horror yeah uh but i what i loved about dead is that it's just classic it's straight up it's (laughs) emo it's emotional but it's classic horror with the camera and the pacing and the 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 suspense it it was just something it was something i've been wanting to make as a feature film for a long time and the opportunity to make it as one of the stories in this this movie was a challenge to just take that and crush it, Condense it and not lose anything important. Right. Not lose the heart and the soul of it. And you become the heart and the soul of this movie. Or the bitch. I don't know. Or the bitch. Well, ask St- Stephen <laughs> ask King. Ask Stephen. Oh, no. I hope, I hope he, he likes, you know. <laughs> I don't want to piss Stephen King off. <laughs> Who does? Right. Um, well, what about the future? Is there going to be another season of The Haunting of Hill House? Uh, are there? What is next for you, particularly leaning in this genre? Well, I I don't I've heard rumors and rumblings about a second season of The Haunting of Hill House, which uh, no one has approached me. But it does seem to me that if I'm, it happens, if, it ha- if the yeah. if the house is a character, then <laughs> Mrs. Dudley would certainly she seems to remain with the house at the end. Yeah. So that, that I sense. would love. Mike, I, I would love to, you know, always. <laughs> but <laughs> want to we'll, come back? Yeah, exactly. I'm going back to Atlanta. <laughs> yes. Um, and then I have four 
independent features coming out in this next year. Wow. Uh, none of them are particularly horror, though. I did do a movie called uh, with Mary Heron. Oh. Uh, and who did American? Who did American Psycho? Psycho. One of the best, exactly, yep. with the same author and of of Psycho. And so that's called Charlie Says, and it's a story, a movie about the Manson girls in prison. Oh wow! So it's that has its realism, like horror, realistic. You know. Yes. So there's that. Excellent. Yes. Well, there's one scene I want to talk about that was your bravest scene. I know exactly what it started. <laughs> yes, yes. And I couldn't believe how wonderfully cooperative you were with all of these amazing insects and these, creatures. These co-stars? Yes, your co-stars. In desperation, you're trapped in this room oh. with all of the most horrendous creatures. We had an insect wrangler who brought us creatures you'd never even imagined in your worst nightmares <laughs> oh, before, yeah. Yeah. including tarantulas. They were the simplest. But I remember one of his cautions was, don't drop them because they spatter. <laughs> if you drop a tarantula, <laughs> they just pop. Right, <laughs> they just, right. Yeah, exactly. But you were amazing. You let them climb on you. And I could see the goosebumps rise. But you were so great. Tell me your perspective from making that scene. I, I mean, if you've seen that movie, you remember the scene. I tell my sons about this scene all the time. <laughs> they cannot fathom that there is any any ounce of reality in it because I won't even, if there's a spider in our house, I run screaming. I am not uh, an... <laughs> really? Oh, de definitely. I would never have guessed that. I mean, you being the the wife of a stuntman, I expected you to be no. good with some of that. No, stuff. no, 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 no. By no, the no, way, no. you are much stronger than the stunt woman who <laughs> was that's, that's doubling right. you. Uh, she couldn't carry things that you could. Right, right, right. <laughs> you know, I just, I'm not a fan of critters. Yeah. I, I, no. Critters too, maybe, but. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right, exactly. But yeah, so, so literally, it, it, in order for me to do what you wanted me to do, which I, th there might be a perverse streak in me that, uh -huh. that likes doing sort of, you know, those things and testing my testing own. Testing your boundaries. Of course, yeah, of course. Yeah. Uh, once. <laughs> <laughs> But because you needed me to do it and because it was for the character and I really try to, you know, be that. Uh, You're a team player. I am. Yeah. I am. And so, yes, but I will. I still have a complete sense memory visceral in my mind of. And you remember like it yes. was on my head and then it was it crawled down my back. And like I'm like trying to me be, you know, not like. It's freak out entirely. Real. There's not a digital creature in that no. scene. Oh Everything God. is real. Some of them were dead. Yes. But but no, there were actual live tarantulas crawling on my hair. And snakes crawling yeah. around you. Yeah. And other indescribable insects. And it was kind of... Thank you, Mick Garris. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Stephen King. <laughs> but it was great. Right. Well, Annabeth, I really... Love having you here, mm. and I appreciate so much you being here, and I can't wait till we dive off again together. Nor can I. I adore you, Mick. Oh, My beloved. Likewise. That's what, right. Our <laughs> beloveds. Yes. 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 Oh, Annabeth, thank you so much, and let's do it again soon. Thanks, Mick. You too.
If you're enjoying Postmortem, it would be a great, great favor to us for you to rate and review and subscribe on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. Uh, you can access all of my video interviews and behind-the-scenes documentaries, things like that, at mickgarrisinterviews.com. Reach us on Twitter at PostmortemMG and on Instagram on PostmortemGram. Thanks a lot for listening. Thanks for listening to Postmortem with Mick Garris. Download new episodes every other Wednesday and subscribe on iTunes. 